Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick no! five and drives it down now. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! McCulloch saved it in. Barry Ferguson does this again, and it's there. And here comes up, Jack. Okay, where to begin with what happened in Dublin last night? Scotland thrashed by Republic of Ireland 3-0. A terrible showing and one that I think requires a lot of head scratching, soul searching, you name it. We're here to try and do just that. It's Gordon Sheik and Graham Brown on the pod with me, Andy Barge, to pick the bones of that monstrosity, really, that we witnessed over in Ireland. We went in to the game, Gordon and Graham, with a bit of positivity after a comfortable win against Armenia, but it's one step forward and four, five or six back, really, because, Gordon, we watched the game together. I'll, I'll come to you first. It was diabolical. Yeah, it was. You're, you're, there's probably no no other words to... No other word to describe it. It was... It was flat. It was sluggish. It was a, 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 an unthreatening performance. We barely created anything. Our our best chances of the game were gift wrapped to us by their players gifting the ball to us from from goal kicks that we couldn't convert. Um, I mean, look, it was an incredibly tired performance, an unbelievably disappointing performance. I mean, look, the, the players have had a long season, but everyone's had a long season. The Ireland players have probably had quite a long season as well, and they somehow managed to put in a performance of of quality. I mean, I think I, I said this in the in my tweet at the end of the game last night that if you look at the stats, the stats for the game aren't actually that different. They score a couple of goals out of thin air. They score one from a corner. They took their chances. We didn't. I think 3-0 is maybe a slightly unfair reaction reflection on the game, but they, they were utterly deserved winners. There's no no debating that whatsoever. And I think in terms of going away from home to a team that were really at a low ebb, I mean, the stats are incredible as to how <laughs> their form, how long it had been since they'd won a competitive home game, how many goals they score. They've not scored three goals in a game for so long. And we went there and completely capitulated. To it. And, and 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 this is it. You know, we we have all watched Scotland long enough. We've we've seen Scotland lose plenty of games in our time. And yes, we'll often get beaten by good teams, and we'll get beaten by better teams. And that's that's fine to a certain extent. 
But to go to a team that were objectively not as good as us in almost every conceivable way and to get turned over like that, that you're looking back to Kazakhstan, which was which we all felt was the nadir of a horrendous Scotland performance and result. But that that's my only comparison point to, to how bad yesterday was. I think it's, it's probably, I think it definitely is a fair point that if you look at the squads, most people would say and expect Scotland to go and beat Ireland. I think, I don't remember who, who it was, it was some famous sportsman or woman in history that I think said the um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. There's a perfect case of it last night. Look at the, the defending for the corner. Defending from a corner, you're taught this from the minute you tie a pair of football boots when you're eight or whatever. Defending set pieces is nothing other than desire, really. A bit of organisation, obviously, thrown in, but you see the ball, you want it, you have to make it yours. Can't even remember the Ireland guy that stuck it over the line in the end. Our boys are just ball-watching. He's the one that's anticipating where it's going to go to meet Shane Duffy's header, and he, and he gets there first and sticks it away. Tony Ralston, who I actually thought started the game really well, Graham had a couple of good runs down the line, uh, the right wing, and looked quite promising. He's just completely either switched off or given up and Troy Parrott runs past him and then has a one-on-one header that he sticks away well. The third one is an absolute thunderbolt of a shot. That can happen from time to time and there was no way back from there on. But the first two goals, Graham, is just head and hands stuff. I, I don't think me and Gordon anyway could believe what we were seeing when we were sitting in the old school house in Glasgow watching it. I'm sure the same for everyone else. Yeah, I think... I think you can only call it sleeping. I mean, I mean, the really, the really interesting part of that first goal was that's a Scotland tactic: fly it all the way to the back post, nod it across, no, some dead easy, right across there. And like you say, they they didn't go after it. And when you look at the three players that are standing watching, watching the goal go in for the first one, I just I could I couldn't believe that. I I was like. Back to your desire point and and how you defend corners and that you're up for it. I mean, you're 20 minutes into the game. This this whole chat about being tired and whatever else, you know, we were 2-0 down within, what, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, whatever it was. But in 20 minutes, they just didn't have that desire. It was an easy header back across the goal. And and when you look at the... In fact, there's four defenders because Grant Hanley's kind of in the middle. So you've got the three defenders in the back post and they're watching two Ireland players who are both in front of them, in front of the, all of them, and then knock it, knock it in. And then and then the, the second goal, you know, you're right. I mean, it, it was that that right-hand side, Ralston and Hendry, who just didn't know what was going on. I mean, it, it, again, a simple ball over the top and, um, you know, Parrott runs in behind them and, and, and scores it. And then even the third one, I mean, we'd be talking about that goal. I mean, that's like Faddy-esque from Paris. I know that's what they came up in the commentary like. Faddy was a bit further out. But we'd be talking about that goal for, for months. Again, easy. He was in acres of space. He had time to turn, shoot. No one no one was on top of him uh, and we're 3-0 down. And back to your point, and I think Gordon was talking about, when you look at the stats, and, and these ones tell, oh, Scotland nine shots, two on target. Ireland six shots, five on target, and the Armenia ones even worse. I mean, you know, so if you so if you roll in, if you roll in, defence sleeping and our inability to hit the target, I mean, that is a recipe for disaster. And I think last night can only be summed up as a disaster. Where does it rank, Gordon? You picked out Kazakhstan there over the last 
10 years or some sort of hypothetical recent times bracket, I would say that probably the two Georgia results away and Kazakhstan are the, are the ones that I thought about introducing Macedonia 1-0 under Burley to the mix, but last night feels worse to me. I mean, we, we've given Scotland a lot of credit really since we started doing this podcast because we've been on a bit of an upward trajectory for seemingly some time. I remember after the Denmark game 2-0 at Hamden last year, and I think some of my opening words to the podcast were, it's a great time to be a Scotland fan. And since that game, that's five matches played now, one win. It's, it's, we're not quite uh, in dire straits, I think. I, don't, I think that would be a stretch too far, but certainly cause for concern. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, although, of course, caveat that at least two of those games, two of those games were friendlies that we did lead in. Were not for a dodgy penalty against Poland, we would have beaten them. We really should have seen out a two-nil lead against Austria, but again, that's a separate, separate conversation. Um, yeah, I, I think what what stands that game last night out against most other poor results or losses in like you said, recent times, is that at no point really through that game did we look like we were going to come back into it at all. And I think that that to me is the is the biggest worry. You know, and, and it was the same against Kazakhstan in the, in the Kazakhstan game. You know, we were 2-0 down in, inside 10, 15 minutes. And beyond that, there would just seem to be no possible chance that we would come back and take something from that game. And that is just the most worrying thing because then it, it makes it feel like did the players in the pitch, did they just accept that that was what was happening in the game and that was that? I mean, I thought I thought Andy Robertson's post-match comments were very, very interesting. You know, he alluded to some quite serious disagreements and arguments in the dressing room at full time. He said that, you know, the players, every single player lost their individual battles and they, they let the manager down. And I think, you know, I've seen a lot of, obviously since, since last night, talking about Steve Clark and talking about whether he should stay or go as Scotland manager. Um, funnily enough, actually, a lot of the people that I see talking about Steve Clark, they always seem to miss a little bit in the timeline. They talk about, oh, he, he got us into the Euros through the back door. He won a penalty shootout, but that was all Alex McLeish's work anyway. And then we got to the Euros and we chucked that. And then he chucks the Ukraine playoff and now this, which conveniently misses the World Cup qualifying campaign for, as we discussed last week, was our best campaign in a long time. So... Clark has the credit to continue. He absolutely has earned that. And the players, at least by what Andy Robertson's saying, they know they've let him down because it was them out on the pitch that did that yesterday. And the performance was so far below what it had to be. So I think they're lo- they're lucky they've got the game on Tuesday. Uh, but <laughs> where to even start with what you, what you change? I don't know. But a lot has to change. Okay, Graham. So Robertson says that the players let the manager down. So... Where is the finger to be pointed here? Is it at the setup, an organisation and tactical approach from Clark, sticking with this formation without tyranny? Or is it the player's heart and fight and desire on the pitch? Because I suppose once they cross the line, it's up to them. Clark really can't do much except move a few pieces around. So is that a toxic mix of both last night? Or do you think one is more significantly influential than the other? I think it's a toxic mix of both. I think that's a good good way of describing it. I think there's a couple of things, and and if you look at both games, you look at some things that were going on, and I, I that the whole 
you know, Kieran Tierney, what's the formation without one player? I think that that's a that, that shouldn't come into any equation. Do you know, it shouldn't be we changed the entire formation round one. I know we did that in the pre, you know, the pre-match one before um the recent games and talking about that. I actually I actually think there there's some real wrong things in here. Scott McTominay plays for Man U in a position, and we think it's okay to shove him in as a defender at half time, playing in his normal normal position for half half the game, and then bring on Billy Gilmore and slam him back into defence. You know, in all the Scotland Scotland matches of, of recent, I don't know of a player that just keeps getting moved about the pitch like that. So there's one there's one problem I think we need to fix. I think it was interesting. Um, Ross Stewart coming on um, yesterday, and you know the belief in Shea Adams. I think it was good not playing Lyndon Dykes because there was interesting commentary again during both games about if they play Lyndon Dykes, they end up just hum- the, the defense feels they've got no option but just to hump it up towards or knock it down and hope, literally hope that it will come down to a Scottish player and put it in the back of the net. And then you see the shots on target ratio. It's like that just doesn't work. They need to play. They need to play from back to front, um, all the way through, and use the quick players they've got because you, we just don't have an out and out striker that puts the ball in the net. So I think I think that the whole settling down of a formation. I mean, he's tried it twice. You know, he, he, he does keep moving about the formation, and we're talking about whether we do a flat back, flat back four, this three four two one that we tried last night, um, which didn't really work. But I think. I think the formations, the formations is one thing in playing players out of position that they're not used to because we feel we have to play the best players, even although they're not they're not playing in their in their normal position just because they're good players. And I think the the belief in the team has to get back in. I I actually think the Ukraine game took a lot of mental, you know, strength to come out of it, you know, in, in terms of that part of it. And are they actually on it? And then you have the performance last night. You know, from a, a team we should have beat, you know, there's no excuses for not being Ireland, but to get, in effect, humped 3-0. You know, I don't know how they, they go to Armenia. And again, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough place to go. It's going to be really hot. They'll be really worried. Because back to that, if they, if they win, we've still got a chance. We've got to play Ukraine twice. Those are two big matches. You know, if we can, if we can walk out with six out of nine, at least we go into the the back half, you know, the last three three games with some hope. If we don't get a result on Wednesday night, you know, I think all their heads will be down, and it's going to be hard to pick up. Because actually, I think September preseason, maybe they'll have a rest, all that stuff about resting, and then they come back fresh, and then you never know what they can do. Um, but but I do think I think it's the mix. It needs a top to bottom, and I think Stevie Clark put that in his comments. He says we need to go away and look at what's gone wrong. And try and work out a way back for them. Speaking of excuses, Clark wasn't interested in the tiredness one. Um, he just said it was an all-round poor performance. The players are at the same level, all of them on the park. Granted, some have played more games than others. Andy Robertson played loads, I'm sure, more than, for example, I don't know, James McLean did. But you know, they have been long seasons in the English Championship as well. Uh, Clark also publicly, anyway wouldn't criticise his players. He's not deviating from form there. I'm not sure, obviously, what was said in the changing room after the game. And maybe he did criticise them there and maybe give them a bit of um, 
tough love, but certainly publicly didn't uh, go into them. He said they've had two bad games. The players have been fantastic for me. I'm not going to criticise them. And he also said we didn't cope with Ireland being on the front foot, which in my in my view, anyway, just points to a, a lack of fight and desire really to combat a team that want to come and take the game to you. Uh, Robertson's post-match quotes, nowhere near good enough um, to wear a Scotland shirt should be an honour. We should fight for it. And tonight we didn't do that. Again, just points to really a lack of heart. Um, we started playing long balls to a very isolated striker. So what does that point to, Gordon? A lack of composure or belief in the way that you're supposed to be playing or the way that you've been told to play if you end up just panicking in possession and, and want to get rid of the ball as soon as possible. No bravery, no, bravery, um, no composure or confidence. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be, could be any of the above, really. You know, I, I think, I think that that is always a worry. You know, especially when you've got a team that are quite well coached and well drilled, and you've seen that they have developed a style of play. That when those players suddenly, almost publicly, lose faith in that and start to, like you said, start to go against what what the plan is, then that's that's really concerning. Um, I, I, I think if. I, I would like to try and take the sort of helicopter view of these things. And I think, you know, coming into this camp, I said that, you know, I, my, my hope for the Scotland side is that we'd moved beyond, moved beyond a reliance on what a player's club form was because they developed such a consistent way of playing as a Scotland team that like, you know, you take Billy Gilmore out of a failing Norwich side and you put him in a Scotland midfield and he'll play well for Scotland because he knows how to play well and he's got the support of a successful team around him. And that's fine. And, you know, maybe that was naive, maybe that wasn't right, because, you know, you look at, um, obviously, I've, obviously we, we, we watch all these Scotland players very closely and how they're doing, and between November and March, our players were flying. You know, Dykes was scoring, Adams was scoring, McGinn was scoring. You know, coming into those March games, we were in a very, very good place form-wise. And I think right now, you look at the squad that was out yesterday, how many players have actually come from successful teams or have actually been playing quite well. And it's really, it's not many out of those 11 players that started yesterday. I mean, Craig Gordon had a decent season. Andy Robertson had a very high performing season as always, but a crushingly disappointing end to the season. You know, McKenna played played well. Ralston did well. But then, you know, Gilmore, McTominay, Adams hasn't scored for a long time. McGinn hasn't scored for a long time. Christie's form maybe tailed off towards the end of the season. I mean, there's a lot of players in there that really, yeah, we're not in the best moment club form-wise. And yeah, maybe, maybe that just all came together, that you had too, too many players not in the right, not in the right headspace, not in the right form. It just didn't work. Graham, you've made the point already about our threat and the shots on target stats that you've rolled out. Saw a good tweet from Owen Brown, who looks at football through a very tactical lens and does quite a lot of good stuff, uh, blogs and reports on the Scotland youth teams. Um, he, is, he tweeted last night, the question I keep coming back to for managers of Scotland at all levels over the last year or two, but focusing here on the men's 18, is describe the open play goal you see your team scoring in the next fixture. Um, we tend not to sigh through teams in open play. A couple of examples I've picked out were our McGinn's cracker against Austria. That was three, four, five quick passes and cut back from McGinn. 
and we scored a couple of really nice ones away to Moldova. I'm not going to count Shea Adams' one against Denmark because it was a quick turnover and a counter-attack on the halfway line. We didn't build the ball forward and go and cut a team open. And so how massive and urgent is this for us to really start figuring out a way to break teams down and put the ball in the back of the net without the need for set pieces or opposition mistakes? It's, inter- it's, it's an interesting one around, you know, it's a really bizarre stat, right? The last two games, we've had 36 shots in goal and only two goals, right? 36 shots. If you take that little stat and you go, it's not because we're not creating chances, right? You can't, you know, unless we were just hounding the ball from 40 yards for 30 times, but we weren't doing that. I think exactly that, some of the other things that were going on, and I watched this at the, the game at Hamden on, you know, on the weekend, and um, sorry, on Wednesday night, and there was so much, when even when they were getting right close into the, the goal, you were just literally going to just hit it. You know enough, this walking across from left to right, left to right, just going round the five, round the goal, and then there was a cracking one. Shea Adams couldn't get out of his feet. He knew, it felt like he had about 10 minutes to put it in the back of the net and he couldn't get out of his feet. It was, it was probably 70 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's the, the lack of directness. If you get... and I, I, Another one I kept shouting the other night was going to hit the byline and cut it back. I, I hardly seen that. But I hardly they, seen they, that at all. We've, we've got little to no width in this squad. And I think that comes down to the, the lack of a plan B. The wingers that we have at our disposal aren't world beaters. We don't have Manny and, and Jota or Salary or anything like that, but we've got decent players that Clark has opted not to include. Uh, the Ryan Fraser conundrum is something that I don't think we know the full scale or story of. We've got James Forrest who has, has lost his place at Celtic a bit and has never been um, a top, top performer for Scotland, but he's capable on the wing. You've got other boys starting to make the mark in Scottish football, Scott Wright, Barry McKay's finding some sort of resurgence. I know that Clark doesn't view the MLS with a particularly positive mindset, but Lewis Morgan is doing okay. And I'm not advocating that these guys should all be Scotland starters, but is it worth having them in there in case we are struggling to get, uh, struggling to break down a team and we need to try and figure out another way to do it? Because the lack of width in this squad is is frightening. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I think... I think Stevie Clark plays with his formation more than he does, like you say, just throwing some people in and actually just saying, look, if we're going to stick to this, you know, whether it's the, the three, four, two, one, or the basically that five, because he, he likes that. See those two wing backs, they should be bombing down. And and the thing that wasn't happening was the overlap. Again, me and Barry were on this. We're sitting going, where's the overlap? Where's where's the winger and someone running past them? to at least take a defender out so they can go at the goal or the overlap, get to the byline, cut it back. It was none of that. And then, of course, are they doing that? Because there's nobody in the middle to stick it away. And I don't, I can't quite, I can't quite work it out. You know, back to your point about Ralston, you know, the first 50 minutes, he's bombing down, right? And if you do that in the first 20 minutes, their defence is on the back foot because they're worried that these two wing-backs are going to rob as well. That's scary. Those two bombing down, bombing down the wings and, and and taking on and putting them on the back foot. And I think that's what needs to change. And I think throwing in some new players 
um, that that might just cut, cut it differently. They may not be the top class out of the like McTominay. He's guaranteed a spot because he played thirty times for Man U last last uh, last season. Does that guarantee a, a spot in the Scotland team? No, if he's not going to turn up. <laughs> I, I I think I think that it it does. It, I, I'm with you that it shouldn't guarantee him a place in the team. I think that. Scott McTominay, the, the prestige of the club that he plays for um, towards the top end of the Premier League does mean that more often than not, he will find himself in the starting lineup for Scotland, whether it's at right centre-back or centre-mid. Now, his chances of selection, Gordon, are diluted pretty largely if Clark did move to a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 or, or whatever, because in midfield, or for, on on and contribution and history for the national team, probably going to pick McGregor, Gilmore, and or Ryan Jack, probably all ahead of him. And I think this comes back to the square pegs round holes thing, just because he's a Man United player, how can he possibly be left out of the team? Yeah, absolutely right. And I think what... What, what we could really do with is just having a very, very clear idea of this is the system we're going to play. This is the first choice in that position. If he's not available, this is his second choice. And because there's been so many shifting, like you said, of players from one to the other, that it's not helped us build that level of consistency at all. Um, and yeah, you're right, Paul, probably if uh, if Billy Gilmore had come off a, a, a decent end of the season and had been fit, Gilmore would have been starting in midfield and it wouldn't have been McTominay. Um, but, but you're right, I, I, I'm struggling to see what the what the plan was in that the first choice is for McTominay to play right centre back against Ukraine and then to play in midfield last night. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing what the, what the, what the plan is there. There are other, uh, maybe if we had beaten Ireland last night, we could discuss this with a bit more certainty because now the Armenia game, it was always a must win. It's a competitive game, but I think for reputational reasons, Clark's, um, Goodwill, um, which is running out, I think, among the, the support. The, the knives are, are being sharpened a bit, and whether you feel that's harsh or justified, it's happening. Going by the, the scales of social media, people aren't happy with the way that Scotland have been playing over this year, or 2022 anyway, uh, and the results that have come with that. That's two big games now where we've, we've basically not turned up. Ukraine in the playoff and then Ireland last night. And we might be able to talk with a bit more certainty if we beat an island on what Clark might do for the team against Armenia, because now there's going to be a lot of call for change um, based on what happened last night in the starting eleven. But can Clark, if Clark does that, it's it's probably going to be a lot of players that have not seen much game time in a Scotland jersey. Maybe people like Ross Stewart or Brown. Lewis Ferguson, David, David Turnbull, David Turnbull, it barely Turnbull, gets a yeah. ball for Scotland. I mean, th- these guys, can you all throw them in at once? I think we, we need to see them, but this is now a high-pressure game in a tough environment. Do they have the materials and the nutrients to go and do what's required, Gordon? We, we need to find out one way or another, but all of a sudden, with this game's increased importance than what it already was, is he just going to play with the same team? Yeah, it's 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 a real a real catch twenty two situation, isn't it? Because also, I'm sure Clark would love to have the comfort of being able to say to guys like McGinn, McGregor, Robertson, 
take a night off. It's fine. We, you're you're okay. You've given plenty. You've had a long season. But I don't know that you can. And I mean, you know, the, the, there is a conversation to be had around a guy like John McGinn. Like, yes, he's an absolute darling of the support. He has contributed so much for so long and he is such a phenomenal player. But this camp has not been productive for him. And I, I, it's always it's always difficult to be critical in times like this because, you know, you know, you and I talked last night about these sort of sliding doors moments every now and again in football. And, you know, McGinn, he tries to put that header against Ukraine right into the corner to make sure the keeper can't get it. If he just gets on target, he scores. And then the, that game is completely different. Last night, he has two good shots from outside the box. Again, I'm more confident, again, if he slots one of those in, it goes to 1-1. Again, the game is completely different. So, but the fact is, he didn't score any of them. And we need him, especially when we're in a situation where we're not getting many goals from forward players. You know, more of our goals have come from defenders this year than forwards, that that we absolutely need him to be scoring those chances. And yeah, maybe when he had that run of scoring so many goals, he was scoring above himself. And that was just a sort of one of those purple patches of form that comes along where everything sits for you. But again, that, that kind of that's the that's the problem that the Scotland side have writ large that you set the expectations, then people expect you to continue them forever. And they don't expect an up and a down. They just expect continued, consistent results. And sometimes sometimes that doesn't happen. But yeah, I don't know. There's just so many difficult difficult choices to make on Tuesday. You're right, because if, if he makes too many changes and then we get another bad result, he's in serious trouble. But if he doesn't and then we deliver then have we learned anything else about the players on the fringes and what they could bring no we haven't either so oh I don't, I don't know I don't know what he's gonna do looking at the team last night Graham I think that okay nobody got past marks I saw online I can't remember um which newspaper it was from but saying that Ralston was the only outfield player to to get past marks I think that's probably because he started the game with a bit of intent but if we're being serious it, the second goal was his fault he's dropped his man um, and Troy Parrish ran in to, to nod the ball home. But if we look at some players last night, I was surprised at Christie. I've long advocated for him to be a starter. I've always felt he had a bit of hunger and a bit of aggression to his game. And we maybe saw that with the booking that he took for the team last night. Um, and I was actually worried at some point at the start. Maybe it was just before the third goal. He made he, he had a wild swipe or a, a late tackle or something. I thought he's got to be careful here. And then it was immaterial because Ireland stuck the ball in the back of the net just a second later. Um, but I, I've always wanted Christie in the Scotland team. Uh, I'm with you, Gordon. I think McGinn is so important to our goal contribution and therefore I'd have him as well. And I think Shea Adams is our number one striker at the moment, probably. And the three of them last night were, were dreadful. I can't believe that a midfield duo of Scott McTominay, who, although we've we've just questioned his credentials, but he's still a, a good player, alongside Callum McGregor, who I believe is the best player in the Scottish Premiership, were dominated. They were they were overrun by, by Ireland. So who out of these guys needs to be given the rest or taken out of the equation? Even going back to the defence, one of the loudest shouts on social media last night was, where's John Suter, Graham? Why has John Suter been dropped from this team? And personally, I don't believe Jack Henry's a Scotland starter across the back three in any of the positions. Um, I don't think with uh, right the, the only way to look at this is it, it can't get any worse okay so you then turn it on its head and go who who deserves to start on Tuesday night um, and and actually when you see the player ratings one of the websites 
the best was like you say, um, I think that the it was like four. Anthony Ralston got four point zero five. He was the best scored out of ten. <laughs> right, that's how bad it starts. And by the way, it got all the way down to two point seven five for Grant Hanley. Right, that's how bad they played last night. In my head, it's actually up to Stevie Clark to turn around to them and say, "Are you going to turn up this week?" Right in this game because it needs the fight. And, and he needs to ask his big players, like your McGinn's and your Robbo's, and say, is your head in the right space for this? Because at the end of the day, if he's, again, it's a pressure to get a playoff position out of this, a playoff game, a playoff out of this. But they're friendlies to work out, you know, what other options have we got before the next campaign, you know, and, and who's coming through the ranks and, you know, how, how young's the squad and what opportunities have they been given in game time? Like the... The, the, the game on, on Wednesday night, two players coming on in 86 minutes for their, you know, for an outing for five minutes in a game like that was like, what's the point? Give them at least 15, 20 minutes and, and try and have a go. So I would say for Wednesday, I would, I wouldn't have some of the big players out. I would, all the players you mentioned, give them a go. You've got a chance. Armenia, come on. We should, even our, you know, the young and not up and coming up hopefuls, should play, you know, give them a chance, give them give them 60 minutes. And if you need to throw on McGinn and Robbo to come on and rescue it with half an hour to go, maybe that's what he needs to do. And just like like you say, play some players that give them a chance, but not a half time either. This throw them on for a half, take them off at half time. I don't think there's anything for for their confidence or anything else. But actually have a plan and say, look, keep some of your big, big, big guys that can come in and maybe have to rescue it. <laughs> If we have to, but at least give them a good run out, and I think that's I think that's what he has to do on 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 Tuesday night. Well, Graeme, it's a good point you make because Clark's changes or the timing of them also draw quite a lot of ire from the support to delayed or hesitant in doing so, whether it's personnel or the system. People would like him to act quicker. I was uh, chatting to someone uh, last night. I won't. I'll keep the name out of it because I don't think they probably want to be named, but they they said the point I'll always go to is look at Rangers in the Europa League. Van Bronckhorst was always happy to change to plan B after 20 minutes if it wasn't going well. Um, they wouldn't have got to the final under Gerrard. They could only play one way. Now, is that similar to really what we're experiencing as Scotland fans at the moment? Because there's a comment here on Twitter from Roddy Cons or at Roddy Cons saying it feels like we're too welded to this system now. We create nothing intact, but our subs are just more of the same. It's too predictable. For me, we need to have the option to play higher up um, or with natural width. Gordon, is there much truth in either of those comments? Uh, yes, I, th- I, th- I think I think there probably is. Um, I think I, th- I certainly agreed with what, what Graham was saying earlier, you know, when he was sort of collating the the shot statistics from the last few games. And, you know, it, it just sounds exactly like the conversation that we had at the, at the end of the Euros where we had about 40-odd shots in the group stage of the Euros and that resulted in one goal. And that's just not good enough. And I think he's, you're right as well, Graham, when you, you talk about how you watch our patterns of play and we, we it does just seem quite predictable. And, you know, sometimes that can be a good thing for they're clearly... You can see what the plan is, you can see what they've drilled, what they've worked on, and they're delivering it. And it's something that's clearly practiced and rehearsed. 
but there can be a time where it becomes overly rehearsed and steers into the predictable. And you're right, the way they would go from fullback across the defence to fullback. And, but then it never really resulted in much at all. And I, I think we, we, we do struggle when we, we've got a defence that's going to sit deep against us that, that, that we can't just... We don't have players that can beat a man and cut through someone and play incisive passes. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. Like, I, I guess my my perspective of the game last night was that once that third goal went in, it just felt like the game was gone. And yes, changes came, but they didn't change anything because the, the die was cast long before that. So I, I'm still reticent to, to judge your Jacob Browns, your Ross Stewart's too much because... What, what, what could they do last night? Well, that, that's 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 a, a fair point because I mean, Jacob Brennan and Ross Stewart are good players, but they're coming on to a system that Ireland have got by the throat. Really, we, we were never going to score last night. If it felt like we could have played for another few hours and not troubled Kevin Kelleher, we've already mentioned that our two best chances came from them passing the ball to us on the edge of their own eighteen-yard box. I mean, this is we brought on Jacob Brown, Stewart, and uh, Armstrong, who are good players, but. This is not Spain having the ability to bring Pedro or David Villa off the bench 10 years ago. I mean, this is these are not guys who are going to turn the game on its head for us. They, there's a, a comment from Neil Doherty, um, author of Scotland Story, World Cup 98 book, saying that Armenia were the worst team he's ever seen at hand and perfect chance to give Stuart full 90 minutes, try and get him off the mark, and didn't do it. And then he comes on last night with, I don't know, what, 20 minutes to go or so, something like that, when the game's already long gone and go back to the the point there about Ireland just having us by the scruff of the neck and just belaying us really all over the park that if you look back at the goals we've scored this season Tierney against Poland set piece we scored a set piece against Austria bundled over the line from Jack Hendry these we scored from a, a corner against Armenia the other night it's good to be efficient and a danger at set pieces, but it's so much more important to be efficient and a danger in open play. And I really can't see where any of that threat or danger comes from, which is why it's such a head-scratcher, Graham, when you look at the players that we've got, not just in the squad, but in the attacking areas of the squad. How are we so blunt? I, I, I think... Is, you know, and it's funny because it's only when you really tear it to pieces like we're doing it. You know, Stevie Clark was basically relying on not conceding, right? You would it was one nils. To, I, mean, I, I don't know what the stat is, but you know how many times has Scotland scored more than two goals under Stevie Clark since he started? You know, if you were to do a percentage of that and see 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 actually how many times have we actually scored twice in one match? You know, against against that, and we were relying on our defence not conceding. And I think as soon as the defence gets a wobble, and like last night, an early, you know, an early goal, 20 minutes in, we're 1-0 down, you know, feel like we're chasing it, and it, or the defence is sleeping. And, 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 and as soon as the defence cracks, and, we're, and Craig Gordon made a few good saves last night, it could have been a... And I think that ball was over the line that got out clear on the line as well. Yeah, can, 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 can um, we clear that up, by the way, a second? Does the ref not have a watch on that just it vibrates, like, just generally... Goal line technology, not, not even, not even, not, VAR, not even VAR, no. just goal line technology. It doesn't have it. They don't, not, 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 not at that stadium. I, I, I think it's still sort of up to the national association's discretion as to whether they 
pay the money effectively to install goal line technology. That, that's um, right. So but who who decided that McGregor's was over the line? Is that a Hawkeye system or did VAR take a look at that against Ukraine? Um, because that seems think, that seems think, really unfair to me that something it can be done at some stadiums but not others. No, you're 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 absolutely spot on. But I think the the one against Ukraine there was a camera on the goal line. So VAR presumably had access to that and could tell the referee that's gone over the line. Because when you when you watch, watching the game last night, all the replays, there was never the replay looking right down down the byline. So, so that's what the VAR had at its disposal. But last night, but last night in New Island, they, they didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, nope. it was a goal. It, <laughs> surely that was <laughs> a goal. Um, so we got away with one there. That happened as well you, against, uh, against Cyprus away from home, I remember, uh, in one of Clark's, well, it must have been his fifth or sixth game or something, they had a shot that hit the bar and bounced over the line and wasn't given. There's a couple of times we've got away with that now. But yeah, um, sorry, Graham interrupted you in your flow, back to your point. No, 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 no. I was just going to say that. I mean, if he'd, if he'd squared that, he was putting it in the side net. <laughs> he kicked it back the way, do you know? And it was like, well, there's another one we've got away with. So I do think, I do think we need, we need to change. I think... I think you're totally right, Gordon. We are so predictable now, so predictable that they know how to play against us. And unless someone's on fire that's willing to do something a bit different, take Billy Gilmore in, at Wembley. He, he was all over the place. You know, he was brilliant. He just, you know, passing, taking the ball, going with it, passing it again, wee triangles all the way up the pitch. You know, and England were on the back foot because they went, oof, these guys are coming after us. And I just think in the last three games, that's not been there. It just just hasn't. And I think it's down to people. Um, either it's too predictable, so we're just getting played off the park because everyone knows how we're going to do it. And we're playing the same people. We've got playing the same tactics. And and they're just setting up against us in a way that, that they do it. So that's where well, my head's at. Well, this is this is it, and 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 that's kind of a, a very interesting point because you you often see that in club football. I mean, if you remember when um, when Sheffield United were first promoted to the Premier League, you know they had this sort of unique way of playing where they did play with sort of three at the back, with kind of what they called overlapping centre backs, effectively, where they they did bring this sort of tactical innovation to the league. And their first season of the Premier League, they were phenomenally successful. I think they probably finished more or less mid table, or even maybe just. Yeah. Just edged in. I, I think. Half, I think they finished eighth or ninth. Gordon, the eighth, eighth, maybe. Yeah, well, well, yeah, exactly. So, so they, they they took the league by storm with this real tactical innovation. But by the next season, everyone had seen it. They'd seen their trick and they'd worked it out because they they'd been able to consult the tapes, study it properly, and then the next season they were relegated. And I feel like that that could be kind of what we're seeing right now. You know, we've we've played this system now for going on two years. And teams can effectively, they can do their homework and they know what we're going to do and they know what we're going to bring. And I think the the game against Ukraine at Hamden was the perfect example of that. I mean, I, re- I read a really good write-up from Jordan Campbell in The Athletic afterwards yeah. where he just pointed out how easily Ukraine were able to sort of take advantage of the spaces we were leaving and the, the system that we were playing and just set players in acres of space and just take advantage of it. And... They found us out in that in that game, um, and maybe Ireland did the same. Now, I don't I don't think this is um, this revisionism here is too harsh. But if you look back at our results over the, the past wee while, and there's a there's a comment um, here from Liam Lobin saying uh, 
we I hear all the time about this being our best squad in years, but we only have a few credible wins under Steve Clark, right? So, and this, this is not me advocating for Clark to go. Personally, I, I'm not in that camp. I understand why some people might now be falling towards that side of the fence. For me, not yet. I think that it's perfectly justifiable to question, like exactly like we're doing, question some of the decision-making and the approaches. But for me, he's he's earned more time than this. So it's fair, though, I think, to mention that if we look back at the teams that we have beaten, apart from Serbia, which was on penalties, and Austria away from home, granted the Denmark performance was great, you, you can maybe chat about if they had their foot off the gas about they'd already qualified and stuff. I, I personally would class that as still a very strong result in performance. If you look back at the other wins, though, it, it's all against teams that we, we should be and are beating. Now, Gordon, I know you've pointed out in the past that that's not something that Scotland have done for the last 20 years. We've always slipped up against the fifth or the sixth seed in the group on at least one occasion. We dealt with Pharaohs and Moldova uh, just there in the qualifiers, which was good. But we are beating, or we had been beating teams that we should be beating. A lot of the other games, we are flattering to the sieve, I would I would say. Um, we should not have let, I know it's just a friendly, I think it's important for momentum, we should not have let that 2-0 scoreline go in Austria in the friendly in March. And I know that Poland uh, scored a dodgy penalty in the last minute against us at Hamden. Um, but then on the other outside of the equation, you could say oh, we only beat Austria away because we got a penalty that Dykes stuck away goes back to, I think, what we were just talking about there, predictability. Needing a plan B, we've got at Haston DJ in the comments as well, saying exactly the same. We're too predictable. We need a plan B. And also, if you lose your jewels all over the pitch, then you're going to struggle regardless of um, the setup and the formation that we've got, Graham. No, I, I completely agree. And, and I was just I was just taking a, a little look back, you know, in terms of results. We beat the Faroe Islands 1-0. <laughs> Away, away, granted, but do you know what I mean? Moldova two 0 eh, sorry, one 0 again. That's world. That's Euro. You know, European qualifying. We're beating teams that we should be beating more comfortably and not be so close to the grain. And I, th- I think, and I think that's down to. And here's a question for you: Do we think we're too good? Back to this whole question of. We've got great players, this stream of players that are now playing top premiership football, you know, playing well in the Scottish premiership. Have we now got to that horrible space where we're, we're, we think we're too good? And then doing the Scottish thing and that that whole thing about uh, Billy Gilmore being the next Billy Bannon this week, you know, just you're starting to crucify folk that are they're on their way up, that are learning their craft and we're, we're starting to butcher people. And I, and I think maybe we've, because we, we've scraped it, <laughs> you know, some big results to get into the Euros. But you, again, you look at the Euros performance, apart from the England game, how good actually were we? And I, oh, and I don't oh, know whether oh. we do think we've just got a overconfidence or just disbelief that we've got really, really good players and we, they, should just, they should just be winning. Well, coming on that point, Graham, Gordon, I, I know for a fact that you're not um, anywhere near the Clark out end of the spectrum. <laughs> but... A point being made here by Ross Laird, who's who's gone in studs up, really. Um, I'll just put it to you. Clark gave Scotland structure and made us a unit and tougher to beat. I think that after the first round of fixtures against uh, Belgium and Russia, that is undisputable. And then Ross goes on to say, 
that structure has fallen off the face of the earth. If Clark cannot adapt without Tierney, he should not stay in this job. Three insipid performances and bottling big fixtures. And I think those uh, performances and big fixtures would probably refer to Czech Republic's at hand and certainly Ukraine and then either the Croatia or Ireland winner, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I, I'm still of in 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 the headspace that this this has just been an incredibly bad week. This has been a really 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 bad week. We had we had a team coming into this camp, like I said earlier, with so many players woefully out of form, and they've they've struggled to live up to the standards that they set for themselves in the last year and. I've got to say, I, I really dislike a lot of this revisionist nonsense that I've seen recently. I mean, yes, Graham, you're right. You look, you you look at you know those those games last year, and yes, it was only two 0 against Moldova away. It was only one 0 at home, you know. But those were still comfortable wins, you know. I mean, again, we've 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 seen us labour to wins. I mean, yeah, the fair was away. We scored very late on, so that that is that's probably fair enough but at least at least they had the fight to get the win the others were fairly comfortable um i i, I think this is you're you're right I, i'm very much in the steve clark continuing with 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 the job i think he's absolutely earned that he's got the contract through the end of the euros qualifying but he does have big questions to answer he's got big challenges to solve and the the major one is how do we play without Kieran Tierney in the team how do we attack how do we make the most of the talent that we've got in the team. Um, and and look, I, I have faith that he'll do that. He went away, obviously, during COVID and came back, having decided this three-at-the-back system would get the boat, get the best of us. And results did improve. Performances did improve. I, I, I am hoping that we can write this off in three months' time as this was just a bad month. This was a bad June, a bad wobble, and we can get back to it. Um, but the, but the, the onus is very much on, you know, there's, there's, there's no doubting, there's, there's no arguing that the Ukraine game was bad and Ireland was horrendous. There's absolutely no one will argue against those facts. So everyone can be in agreement that we need to be better than that. So that process starts on Tuesday and then we'll see what we can do in September. But 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 we're all in agreement that that wasn't good enough. Well, let's talk about Tuesday's game then. We're recording this um, at late, on late afternoon Sunday. So there may be a few dropouts potentially before the game against Armenia. I know that Armstrong took a knock yesterday um, towards the end of the game. I think he played on though. And uh, Scott McTominay very early on in the game seemed to take a sore win. So depending on maybe how that is being looked after, maybe he'll drop out of the squad. We've got Gavin McCann, and Twitter saying that he doesn't think it's much of a gamble um, to play some of these guys like David Turnbull, Aaron Hickey, Ross Stewart. And he's also listed, interestingly, who I think I would like to see to maybe show the players the way that it should be approached mentally and attitude-wise would be Alan Campbell. Um, I think that we could do with some of that energy, fight and desire in midfield that he showed week in, week out at Motherwell and which has made him an absolute fan's favourite at Luton Town, uh, who had a great season in the English Championship. I, I replied or quote tweeted a Luton fan account about three months ago, two, three months ago, saying it's great to see Campbell doing well. Maybe we'll see him in our squad for the Nations League. And I had Luton fans 
filtering through the comments saying he's been outstanding for us. Whether we go up or not, we won't hold on to him. So uh, Alan Campbell, Graham off the back of a great season. And midfield, what do you think? Yes, and I, and I think it is, uh, and I think we made this comment earlier. Pick your form players. Who's you? You look at the eleven from yesterday. Who's actually back to your point? Who's in form? And if they're not in form, take them out. And then you look at folk like Alan Campbell, and he's played all season for Luton. Fans' favourite. It might not be in the, the Premier League, but who cares? <laughs> if you're if you're able to sustain a you know a, a full season, you know playing at the top of the game, getting Luton to where they've got to. You know, and and full full of confidence, stick him in. What's the risk? And give him a game. And I like that comment about why does he not give um, people a ninety minutes and just say, do you know what, son, go and play your guts out for ninety minutes and see what happens. I will not take you off. You've got ninety minutes to prove yourself, and I'm not going to take you off. And unless you have an absolute howler, you're gonna you're gonna get a good run out for Scotland because we because I believe in you. And I think I think that sort of mentality with the, the in effect the kids, you know, interesting. Troy Parrott, Obafemi, both are under twenty one. So there's there's the two forwards yesterday, both under twenty one. You know, going out there and scoring goals for their country. If we can, if we if we've got talent, they should be like Billy Gilmore thrown in at the deep end, going get them wet. There's your there's your debut. <laughs> Go and play 90 minutes and see what happens because for these guys to play for their country is amazing. You know, the, the guys that are tried and tested as part of the routine. Um, and back to Gordon's point, I'm, I'm all for Stevie Clark as well. I think it's dead easy for 2020 hindsight and you, it's a bad month, but he does have to try something different. And I think if he can get, you know, a good balance of youth and in these experienced players that are on form, then come September, you know, get hopefully. I don't care if it's one nil Armenia on Tuesday night, as long as we can hopefully navigate that one, and then you can run to September. And if he's tried out these sorts of players for the back half, the next three games, that would be a, a good result because it would be like, right, we're going in two out of three, no bad. And then you've got three games, but you've tried out some of these get these young kids. What what would be hypothetically then Scotland's form? side at the moment. I'm just looking at the, the squad list just now. So from back to front, Gordon would probably be in goals. And then maybe it'll be Ralston probably at right wing back. And then Suter, McKenna, and well, who else? Hanley's not really been in great form. Jack Hendry's barely played at club level. Uh, so maybe that's a, a tricky spot. So probably a question mark there over the left centre back out, out of the, play, the players who would be the form one. In midfield, it probably would be Cal McGregor, great season. Alan Campbell, great season. And then in front of them, behind Ross Stewart, would probably be Jacob Brown and... I don't know, did Turnbull, Christy, end, the, Christy, did, did, did Turnbull end the season well with Celtic? Uh, did he play much? I can't, I can't really remember. Christy, maybe, yeah. Good point, Gordon. So, is that a decent Scotland team? Yeah? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um I think I think you know, build 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 on what Graham said. I, I, th- I think I, I would certainly I, I would like to see, yeah, some 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 fresh faces on Tuesday night because absolutely right. You know, we 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 know what we're going to get more or less out of these dependable players that we've played so many times and they have played together so many times. You know, mm. go, going into September when these crunch games come, we need to know 
who we can rely on, especially if our top guys are not in great form or aren't fit. So, and I, and I think someone I would very much like to see on Tuesday, and I think we have really, really missed him, is Nathan Patterson at right wing back. I think Hickey, yes, was good against Armenia, but Armenia were terrible. Um, but Patterson, you know, since, since the Euro had really been developing some very, very good good connections, you know, the way that he would interlink with McGinn, um, his crossing is so dangerous, you know, we've talked about his assists, his goal against Moldova, yeah, I, I think we've massively missed him, and I, I would be very happy to see Patterson start on Tuesday. Yep, with, with you on that, um, Rawson's done all right, played really well against Armenia, but as you say, Gordon, they were shite, uh, and last <laughs> night he started the game well, but switched off for the second goal, has to take his share of the blame for that. So, what sort of consensus have we we reached here um, during these discussions? I think a lot of the comments on Twitter and the three of us as well do want to see some sort of efficient alternative to when Tierney's not playing. Probably formation-wise, four at the back, because without him, we really seem to struggle with this setup, and the the evidence is now quite strongly backing that up against Czech Republic against Ukraine and now against Ireland we've we've been poor in every single game we want to see more cutting edge in attack um, more shots on target the responsibility for that will, will falls to pretty much the box midfield and the striker can't really really pin that on the fullbacks at all um, because we are seemingly relying on set pieces to create um, most of our goal scores uh, goals um, this season and we also just want to see generally more passion and heart and desire from the players. That was something that was so obviously missing last night. And I know that you said earlier, Gordon, Andy Robertson's post-match comments were interesting. He, he just seemed to flat out admit that they didn't fight for the shot. That is baffling to me. Like, why, why would you not do that? I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't understand why. Why are you wearing a wearing a Scotland shirt or any yeah. international footballer? You, you would not give everything on the pitch. And Robertson's seemingly, I'll, I'll read the quote: "To wear a Scotland shirt should be an honour. We should fight for it." And tonight we didn't do it. What is the context there? Why? Yeah, well, exactly, and and especially because you know we'd we've we've spoken so many times about the real improvements in the mental strength in this group because they were weak mentally when Steve Clark came in. You know, we had those games, Belgium, Russia, where we'd concede one and the game would effectively be gone and very quickly it would be two, three, four. And that was back to that last night. It was crazy that, you know, as soon as that first goal went in, there was not much of a reaction. And then the second goal followed and then very quickly into the second half, the third goal. And that's that, that's it. That's 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 the end of it. In fact, we we, so, we, had a, we had we had a chat last night in the pub, Gordon. When has Clark Scotland side come from behind to win a game? Was it one game that we could think of? What was it? Israel, 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 Israel at home yep. three two came from behind twice. Apart from that, uh, mm-hmm. we did think about Cyprus away from home, but we weren't behind in that game. They equalised uh, for one one. So there was. I'm pretty sure the the Kazakhstan game at home. Yeah, that's I'm right. Sure yeah, they scored Fair first. Point. And we won 3-1. Yeah. So is that is that the only time that we've come back to win after conceding Kazakhstan and Israel both at home? 
I'm, yeah, start, I'm yeah, starting to feel a bit. Say that again, Graham. I think I think that's the only yeah. ones because uh, you know to win. You know, <laughs> you, that's the. <laughs> it's, like you say, I think as soon as I think I think Tuesday's a test of character, right? So you're saying about summing it up. If they come out and I and I said this, I don't mind getting beat by Ukraine as long as you played for your shirt, you played your guts out, and you just got beat by the better team. When we when we go out, we don't play for the shirt. We don't play our best and we just get thumped, which is what happened last night. Then that's when people will say, and, and they will take Stevie Clark on. And I think Tuesday night is a test of character. Can they pick themselves up? They've had a bit of a roller coaster the last three games. Um, they really need to come out. And actually that first 20 minutes is really important because if their heads are down in the first 20, and even if it's nil-nil to half time, or, or God forsake, they, they actually score against us. I think we're in for a rough ride, and and I hate it most of all is when then you know, and it's not the Tartan Army because they they'll go through walls for people uh, for that squad, but the press and the the pressure, and then it becomes about Stevie Clark, and it's all about who underperformed. They need they need a good performance where people are they're posting sevens, eights, outs, tens, and people have got a bit of belief again. I'm not looking forward to the summer if. Scotland are, are again have a poor performance and the, the lasting impression ahead of September is we're on a downer. We're, they really need to, they need a real good look at themselves, pick themselves up and just just say, look, this is our last game of the season. Let's just go out all guns. And I don't, even if it's all guns and we only win 1-0 back to Gordon's point, it's still a win. And when we charge on to September, forget the camp and move on. It, it, it would still be a win. But I, I think that we we need to show more than that this game, Gordon, because I think, Graham, you make a good point that the press do have a field day with this sort of thing. And if we scrape a result against Armenia like we did in the Pharaohs when Dykes scored with five minutes to go, that will not be received well by the, the journalists and the press and the papers. We'll, we'll have it out for Clark on that basis. Now, after the Ukraine game, Gordon, I said... I think Armenia at home, the result is more important than the performance because we just needed to nip that in the bud, the Ukraine game, and just get three points on the board in the Nations League. It's about more than that this time. I don't think that we can stumble our way through this game over in Yerevan and come away with a 1-0 victory and look at it as a, a largely positive outcome. It will be a relief probably, but I don't think that we can say that it has been fruitful or productive if we scrape a 1-0 win here. We need to show that we've got more about us than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the absolute key thing to, 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 to Graham's point is just that the, the intensity has to be right. The aptitude has to be right on Tuesday night. You know, they have to, in, in arguably in the same way that they were in the home game against Armenia, where they could have chosen to give Armenia the ball because they were no threat whatsoever and then just get the ball off them and then build attacks. But we were intense. We hunted. We turned the ball over high. It was a very good performance. That That's exactly what we need on Tuesday because you're, you're absolutely right. In the same way that, you know, between... November and March, we were in a real cycle of positivity after Denmark, looking ahead to March, thinking we are flying here. We're doing great. Our players are scoring. Life is good as a Scotland fan. 
it's so easy to get trapped in that cycle of negativity. And if you're right, if, if we say come away with a draw against Armenia, it will that will be the mood music of the summer right the way through to August, and then in September it's just negativity, and that could that be the worst thing we could do right now because we will need need positivity, we'll need good performances in September. So I think it's really important that we sign off with 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 a win, but it has to be a win delivered the right way um, with a lot of effort and a lot of hard work um, and hopefully hopefully a lot of chances created and quite a few taken. Yeah, now, well, we'll sign off with that. Uh, I didn't realise actually that we'd gone on for so long in this second Zoom meeting, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I did say to you when we changed the calls, right, we'll just chat for another 10 minutes, but that's us running out of time already. So... Well, thanks for coming on and conducting that post post mortem with me, Graham and Gordon. Hopefully, we won't have too many more of these to do, especially not on Wednesday or Thursday next week. Hopefully, <laughs> it's a bit more uh, positive, and we've got six points on the board ahead of three big games in September. All right, so hopefully, on to better things. And thanks for coming on. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Podcast Network.